Hello everyone, welcome to the Like the World Podcast, and I'm your host, LT World, and on this channel we talk about the things people don't like to talk about. We talk about politics, we talk about religion, and we talk about ideologies. If that sounds like something you're into, join us as we take a look at the things that drive culture. Do you really despise religious belief? I despise people whose belief in religion is so firm it justifies killing people. Inside, 39 members of the Heaven's Gate cult had taken their own lives. Once in a while I get people that really claim they don't believe in evolution. And my response generally is, oh, why not? We can't even begin to describe a living creature in anything resembling precise terms. Where do the laws of physics come from? It's, it's a question that doesn't work for me on multiple levels of analysis. Does God exist? What are the odds that you'd be struck by lightning? Well, according to Fox Weather, the odds are about 1 out of 16,550, so not very likely. However, there are a list of names of people throughout history who have been struck by lightning, so it's not impossible, but not, not likely either. Now, let's, start with, let's do something a little bit more cheery, something a little bit more optimistic. Let's go with the Powerball. What's the chances of you winning the jackpot, owning the Powerball, and being able to finally buy that dream house of yours that you always wanted? Um, your chances are even slimmer, sadly. So your chances of winning the Powerball, the jackpot at least, uh, is only 1 out of 292,201,338. So the odds aren't in your favor whatsoever. However, in January 2022, two people won the jackpot, splitting $632 million between them. Now that's a lot of money to go around, and enough money to buy a dream house. Now let's change it up a little bit, and let's apply this logic to something a little bit different. So what are the odds of the universe being created? Now, according to Sir Roger Penrose, a professor at Oxford and one of the world's leading mathematical physicists and joint winner of the Wolf Prize in physics with Stephen Hawking, suggested that the precision necessary is less than one part in 10 to the power of 10 to the power of 123. The percentage or chance of this happening is zero to many zeros, way too many zeros to write on a paper. So basically 0. 0.00004 for a long, long time until you get to a one somewhere in there. So it's very extremely unlikely to the point of impossible that the universe would be created or would have would reach the necessary principles to be created or succeed without the big bang either collapsing or something like that now this is an example of what we call the fine-tuning argument the what the fine-tuning argument is by definition according to the stanford encyclopedia of philosophy the term fine-tuning is used to characterize sensitive dependencies of facts or properties on the values of certain parameters. Philosophical debates in which fine-tuning appears are often about the universe's fine-tuning for life. According to many physicists, the fact that the universe is able to support life depends delicately on the various of its fundamental characteristics, notably on the form of the laws in nature, on the value of some constants of nature, and on aspects of the universe's condition in its very early stages. In other words, the fine-tuning argument basically says the chance of the universe being able to support life are so incredibly slim without some sort of divine hand in place that it's unreasonable to assume that it was purely by chance. And this is from a theistic perspective. So the fine-tuning argument would say, since it's extremely unlikely to the point of impossibility for the universe to be created, this is a sign that God is necessary or a sign that God created the universe or something like that. Now, let's add a little bit to that case. Let's, let's beef it up a little bit, maybe add some more facts in there to really present the impossibility here of the fine-tuning argument that's presented by theists. So, let's add to their case to further emphasize the unlikelihood of the creation of the universe and the beginning of life and all that stuff. 
So, according to Neil Manson, an assistant professor of philosophy at the University of Mississippi, the results of the scientific inquiries can be, this is going to get really mathematical here. So, Neil Manson is a very intelligent man, and he kind of goes down a mathematical route of trying to explain all the parameters that would be required for the universe to be able to allow for life to form and exist. Um, and he, he's doing some, he did some studies and stuff, and now he's kind of presenting the, the evidence. So this is a quote from his uh, paper. The results of these scientific inquiries can be represented using a table, with the fundamental physical parameters of the universe listed on the left and the actual values of those parameters on the right. The list would include lines such as the following. Parameters of the actual value map, mass of the proton, 938.28 MeV Mn, mass of the neutron, 939.57, and you get the idea. There's a lot of numbers here that would need to be precise in order or within a very close fraction to how allow the universe to create life and be, allow for life. And now looking at the very precise numerical values of parameters such as these, some physicists ask what the universe would be have been like if the values had been slightly different. More, spe more specifically, for many, an individual parameter they ask what the universe would be like if that parameter were varied while the remaining parameters were held fixed. The answer to the surprise of many was that the universe would not have been the sort of place in which life could emerge. So some of these specific numbers, like the mass of proton having to have 938.28 MeVn, Mn, and the mass of neutron, and all these different uh, factors, needing so many protons, so many neutrons, so many um, atoms and stuff to actually allow for the universe to exist, is would if it would be any different by a little bit would not allow for life to exist at all it would be able to happen so this is just neil manson emphasizing the fact that you can't have any variability when it comes to the big bang and the existence of life now according to a book called i don't have enough faith to be an atheist by norman geisler and frank turek he, they also bring up a few things about the uh, fine-tuning argument in their book now Here's a couple things they mentioned. There are at least 100 natural constants in the universe that need to be perfect in order for life to exist, kind of going off what Neil Manson said earlier, uh, just less scientific. Uh, and I, I mean, as technical, less technical. And as far as life goes, Sir Fred Hoyle, a British astronomer, commented that the odds of life ever being possible and living is like the chances of a tornado ripping through a junkyard and leaving behind a perfectly built Boeing 747 airplane. Now, so there is this, a lot of scientists, especially on the theistic side, say that the chances are so slim of the universe allowing for life or the chances of a long process of evolution actually being successful is so slim that you might as well just rip up a junkyard and hope for the best to form a car. It's kind of like that sort of impossibility. And normally this is what we call the fine-tuning argument and because it just seems impossible that the universe could allow for life and could form without some sort of divine hand in place. So the scientific and mathematic and philosophical community can all agree that the odds are basically impossible for the universe to exist and much less exist in the way that's possible for human life to survive. But what are the responses from the other side normally? What do secularists say? What do atheists say in response to this? Now, I think the Encyclopedia of Philosophy, the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy actually has a good response to this argument in regard to the actual strength and logic of the fine-tuning argument. Um, so, here's a direct quote from the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. Even if fine-tuned conditions are improbable in some substantive sense, it might be wisest to regard them as primitive coincidences which have to accept 
which we have to accept without resorting to such speculative responses as divine design or even a multiverse. It is indeed uncontroversial that being improbable does not by itself automatically amount to requiring a theoretical response. For example, any specific sequence of outcomes in a long series of coin tosses has low initial probability, namely 2 uh, to the power of n, um, 2 minus n. If the coin, it, it just give a, this gives some sort of um, mathematical model. And if the coin is fair, which approaches zero, which would approach zero as the number n increases, so the more flips, the closer and closer to zero, the the, the probability gets of uh, the tosses increases. But one would not reasonably regard any specific sequence of outcomes as calling for some theoretical response uh, or reassessment of our initial probability assignment. Now, all that to say, what the Stanford Encyclopedia is basically saying is that if you would flip a coin a million times, you're bound to get some sort of series of coin flips. And each of those series are all, statistically speaking, improbable and unlikely and basically impossible to get. So the whole point is you wouldn't say after you flip the coin a million times that there was a divine hand in place for you to get the specific sequence you got because of it being improbable. No, it's bound to happen because you were flipping a coin. So it's a similar argument that just because we look back on the universe and see that it's fine-tuned for life doesn't mean it wasn't coincidence and doesn't mean that there wasn't anything, there was any hand involved in it. It just means that we got lucky, if you will, or it just means that a coin slipped a million times and we got a specific sequence. Um, we were bound to get some sort of sequence. We got the one we got. So it doesn't really necessarily isn't really meaningful necessarily from a logical or philosophical standpoint, as the Stanford philosophy puts it. Now, there's also some scientific explanations as of why this might be unreasonable. Now, I know last episode with the cosmological argument, I kind of put out a little bit of my issues with the multiverse as well as some other philosophers and scientists' issues with the multiverse. But there are some um, things like the multiverse or... Um, other theories similar to it that propose that there's either eternal universe, there's multiple universes out there, these eternal mal universes, um, there's a lot of different universes with different laws of physics, and so forth and so on. That there's a lot of big bangs happening all over the world, I mean, all over the cosmos and the universe and all that stuff, or in space. That if we have an infinite number of universes um, with opportunities to create life or create a universe, it's bound to happen at some point, no matter what the improbability is of the. Big Bang being successful and being able to create life, you're bound to have some one of the universes at least give birth to a universe that has life or give birth to a cosmos that can uh, inhabit life because your chances, there's so many chances for it to happen. Likewise, as far as the beginning of life goes on our planet, there are millions of galaxies and planets and solar systems out there, if not billions and trillions that we just can't observe. Um, and which out of all those planets and out of all those systems and out of all those, even, and especially considering that there's probably more that we can't observe and are out of our scope of range, the chances of uh, there at least being one planet able to inhabit life increase. The odds of that increase. The chances of that happening increase as there's more and more of them. So, again, this, it's just the fact that it seems like impossible odds, but when you consider how many planets there are out there, when you can start considering um, that Abound, you're bound to get some sort of result no matter how improbable it is. The impossibility of it all starts to kind of fade away when you start putting it in that sort of perspective. And now these are just some of the responses given and these are just some sort of the, the responses to the fine-tuning argument or the improbability argument, if you will. Now, 
looking kind of looking at it from both sides and kind of like my views on it, I think it doesn't. I don't think it's a strong argument purely because it's reliant on probability. It's reliant on odds and it's kind of like begging the question now. Because if I someone told me they won the jackpot, yeah, I wouldn't probably believe them because it's so unlikely. But I know it does happen, and I mean, Powerball's not going to dish out six hundred million dollars unless they have some sort of good reason to, or they made a promise that they have to keep for legal reasons. Um, so I don't think this is a good argument for theism. I don't think it's a good argument for the existence of God. I just don't think it's logically strong. I don't think it has holds us. Um, I don't think it's really rooted well. And so I just don't think this is a strong argument for the existence of God. And I think in this case, atheists or secularists have a better argument saying it doesn't really matter what the odds are. One, the odds uh, the odds become more probable as you increase, as you start to take into account all these universes or and take into account all the planets and everything. Um, and also, it's just not good to rely on purely coincidence or rely on stats to make an argument for your case. It's better just to rely on other things if you want to argue for the existence of God. So I just don't think this is the strongest argument um, for theism. Um, but this doesn't mean that you should go out there and start betting all your money on the lottery or trying to get struck by lightning because, again, the odds aren't in your favor. I'm not sure why you try to get struck by lightning. But this is not does not mean you should go out and start playing the lottery because it doesn't make a good case for the existence of God. Um, you still probably will lose a lot of money. Um, but it's just simply saying that the fine-tuning argument is not the best argument when it comes to the argument for God. Normally in this case, um, atheists would have the upper hand. So thank you for listening. Now, I'm just curious now what the odds are that I'll be back next week. The odds are looking pretty good. They're looking about 100%. <laughs> Unless I die, of course, and that'd just be a shame. But at least as of now, the odds of me coming back are pretty much 100% next week. So see you next week, friends. And in the meantime, light the world. <laughs>